Hi there. Welcome to episode 23 of the Connect 2 podcast. My name is Jeff Cullum. And I'm Mark Hughes. Hello, Marcus. Hey, Jeff. How are you? Chilly. It's getting uh, uh, a little bit minus 80 today here in Edmonton. Yeah, and, uh, well, this will be super warm when it's spring, but it uh, feels pretty cold right now. <laughs> We're still doing that November project, so uh, I'm thinking oh, yeah. tomorrow morning... It's going to be 6 really a.m. Cool. It might be a little bit of a chilly, but they have people with minus 30 patches. So uh, there's some hardy, hardy folk there. So uh, <laughs> I know, I, that's a part of. I'd like to get me a minus part 30 of living patch. here that I don't like is the minus 30. <laughs> Although, you know, it's funny. I always thought that where we live was particularly cold for Canada and it's colder ish, but there's, you know, you can get really cold times in in montreal and quebec city yeah exactly and, uh, like all over the country so i mean ottawa is pretty cold yep. so it's um we don't have uh we don't have the big moral authority although the coldest i've ever experienced is minus 50 in um Yellowknife, and that was unbelievably miserable <laughs> i mean like the the gap from minus 20 to minus 30 is huge it is huger for minus 30 to minus 40 it is it is like light years to minus yeah. 50. And uh, there, there's these guys sometimes who broadcast from like Antarctic and it's like <laughs> minus 70. And I'm just like, unbelievable. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I was up there. Oh man. It's gotta be 10 years ago now. Mm -hmm. Maybe more yellow knife. Same thing. Minus 50. Oh, um, oh they, don't, they leave, they leave the vehicles running all the time. My hotel they, room, they uh, the power went out. I was oh, staying no. at the, uh, uh, what's that big hotel? Not the Canoeman, but there's that big sort of fancy hotel. It was power went out, and uh, I thought I'm gonna die in this room. <laughs> so I went, so I went out into the street, and you know what? It it was actually quite crazy busy. People walking around, the same way that people walk around in the rain in Victoria. Uh, Yellowknife, they still walk around. People going to coffee shops, and oh, man. so uh, but yeah, it was it was cold. Well, so um, we should get on with our podcast here. Yeah. So, uh, so if you're new to the podcast, uh, rate, review, subscribe. We have lots of people who are looking and downloading our uh, our um, our podcast. So welcome. Yes, absolutely. Thanks for spending a little bit of time with I, us. We really appreciate it. And by all means, send us uh, send us some mail. Well, we didn't get uh, uh, an email. Oh, I don't know. Did we get any email? No, but, but if we, you want to, we did get a comment on Facebook. Uh, Marilyn uh, was uh, was excited that uh, we had uh, listed information about the the season six dropping of uh, the expanse, right. which we had talked about in the last. I'm episode. starting season two this week myself. Good. It's so, worthwhile. Yeah, it, it, it's good. It's 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 a it's a it's a fun journey. I'm sure as you go through, you'll see big changes because there were some gaps because there was a period of time where it was temporarily. Um, out of production and oh really back in like and canceled and then yeah, they brought it was it back? canceled and brought out not for <clears throat> terribly long but yeah interesting but they had dis discombobulated everything wow. so they had to reassemble so um oh so um today we have some coffee yes so we've got two it. pour overs that i've poured over nice. so i've hand ground the coffee wow there's <laughs> two coffees quite the experience one is, one is uh, they're both from Ace. So last time we went to the Colombian. Today okay. we're trying Ace. So Ace. we got an number eight and a number nine. And which is which? So uh, your white one is uh, is number eight. Okay. And your black one is number nine. Very cool. So the number eight 
It's all from Microlots. Uh, it is uh, a bit more fruity. Um, it has it has a Colombian, Honduran, and Rwandan Microlots, um, including uh, washed and pulp natural uh, beans. I'm not sure. I should know what those mean, but I can't remember. Yeah. And then number nine is a more conventional kind of an Italian style flavors. Uh, with uh, Nicaraguan and Guatemalan microbes. All right. <clears throat> so, um, yes. And uh, today we have two bombolinis, cinnamon sugar bombolinis. Ah, very which cool. Which basically is a nice donut. A donut. There you go. So if I go to Tim Hortons or, and order a bombolini, will they uh, throw me out, do you think? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> a bomba who? Who? Why are you swearing at me? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So, exactly. so with the number eight, it's uh, it's super mm. bright and a bit uh, acidic. Mm-hmm. It's quite punchy. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I it's like got, that. It's kind of definite. Very cool. And uh, so that's super in contrast with number nine, which is uh, a lot more caramelly, kind of chocolatey tones and all that kind of stuff. Yep. Both really good. Yeah, very tasty. But they're very different. <clears throat> Absolutely. So well, we can continue drinking all the way through the show. Ex exactly. Very and then good. having our little treat here too. So. Excellent. Uh, okay. Um, what are two things you learned this week? Uh, I, <laughs> Nothing? You're not learning anything? <laughs> you know, I learned so many things. And then when I get put on the spot, uh, then I go, I don't know. Well, I guess, okay, so I'm, I'm working with a new software thing. I don't know if I'm going to use it or not. It's called Funnelytics. And um, there's this, I guess, whole it's world. how to make funnels? Uh, sales funnels, right? Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so there's another one called ClickFunnels. That's actually that book that I've mentioned by that Russell Brunson. He runs a company called ClickFunnels. But this was uh, something suggested to a client of mine by some guy out of Ottawa who – I guess this is his business. He's like a, a reseller of this and um, they're not going ahead because he basically, <laughs> he quoted a fee to my client, which was like outrageously high for the size of my client. And then when he said, uh, my client was like, I can't, I can't afford that. Then the guy's like, well, why don't you just, maybe I'll just take 10% of your business. And again, we were just like, what? Like, what are you talking about? So, inexperienced guy but this uh funnelytics mm -hmm. it's sort of a graphical i just started playing with it today but from what i understand you can create um like a graphical representation of your website and all of the inputs and then okay. i guess if you link it you can then go get like real-time reports so for instance if 50 percent of our connect to uh searches were coming from facebook our facebook page we, you'd see that represented in real time as the number of Facebook, you know, like 50%. So I'm, I'm thinking of using it for my website, but I'll, I'll let you know if it's any good or not. There's the free version. And of course there's all of the paid, uh, course, but, uh, so there's this whole world of, of, I guess it's advanced analytics. If you don't like Google analytics, you can, yeah, I think, you can get, uh, you can get crazy with I this. I think the thing that's, that's really become quite apparent in the last little bit is that the analytic or the sophistication of the analytics has, uh, has spiked tremendously like it was pretty good before but it is 
yeah the the granularity and what you can find out is it's a little shocking at times yeah. so there's no an anonymity or incognito mode on, on there even though they say incognito is incognito it's not really all that incognito. right so so that's the first thing why don't you tell me one thing and i'll madly think of something else <laughs> that i learned no worries well uh uh, I've, I've been taking a number of courses in the last little bit. So uh, I took those two uh, Adobe Advanced Camps, and now I'm part of the Adobe, I don't know, it's the Adobe Circle. It's this community that they've established, which is the new place where these camps alumni Ooh. will go. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah. But uh, currently I'm actually, I'm actually in a summit or a seminar, a three-day seminar, and then there's another one that starts three days after that starts actually right after it's also three days long. Um, and it's all about photography and improving photography. It's, it's, uh, there's lots of courses. I, like I could spend all my time just learning how to, how to improve. <laughs> I've got to, I got to do some doing, but, say, but there's a, there's the rabbit hole of self-improvement. Oh yeah. So there's two, there's uh, two things I learned. One actually will relate a little bit to the topic that we're going to talk about today, but it will be a good warm up. So one thing is uh, Windows 11 has come out, if you're not aware. So if your right. computer is new enough and is capable of running Windows 11, right. it'll kind of keep poking at you to try and upgrade to windows 11 okay there are some significant differences in terms of how you navigate and where things are oh, yeah. so it's important to be aware don't just blindly is it free it's free yes thank you apple <laughs> exactly <laughs> uh so just be aware that there there are some pitfalls or some things that are missing and there's some things that don't necessarily work i've heard there's some issues with the the snip tool which oh, if yeah. you've ever used the snip tool to, to capture parts of your screen to show right. others. It doesn't um, work. I think there's a workaround to make it work, but it doesn't work directly. <laughs> a brand new operating system with yeah. a workaround? Yeah, well, it's, <laughs> well, hello Windows and Tuesday updates. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Um, so uh, the other thing is, talk about memory. So mem oh, yeah. memories, uh, I learned a little bit more about memories that I think is relevant as a, a warm-up. Okay. So uh, there are basically three, your memory works in three ways, right? So mm -hmm. memory is basically your ability to recall things sure. that happened or that you've been exposed to. Yep. Um, so there's sensory memories, which is basically you taste something and you remember what it tastes like. Right. Which can, I presume, be pretty powerful. That's right. And yep. then there's working memory, which is basically... Um, very short term, it's in there for a little bit right. and doesn't last very long yeah. and you flash it. <laughs> Is this right? the memory that, that we start to struggle with yes. now that we're in our fifties, the old, why am I in this room? Like I walked into this room with a purpose and now I can't remember why I'm here. No, that's totally different. Uh, no, it really is totally different. I, I, I read a description about this and it was like, everybody thinks they get absent-minded and all that stuff. And it's not that they get absent-minded. They just basically, uh, they're not paying attention. Yeah, 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 <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Well, absolutely. So, if, uh, so you could be a 20-year-old and have exactly the same issue where, why did I get into this room again? And it's because yeah. you weren't really paying attention when you went into the room. When you went into the room. I or, think this is going to happen more with how with, distracted we are with all the stuff, right? That's right. But working memory, so if you see somebody with 
Alzheimer's, typically the thing that's really affected primarily is their working memory. Okay. Basically, so, so the example is like my father-in-law would read a, a menu and uh, in a restaurant, and by the time he got to the bottom of the pages, you wouldn't remember what it was at the top. Right. So, so this is why they'll have the same conversations over and sure. over. Sure. Interesting. Um, so that's working memory, and long-term memory works differently, and it's basically kind of. And I, I, I caution with the word permanently installed because the interesting thing about long-term memory is your current framework will affect what you recall sure. as your long-term memory. Right. So it, um, things always seem, uh, yeah. So it's not, it's not like a computer. No, no, like no, no. Like your computer, you put it in ones and zeros, it's locked in. Right. It's either there, it's not, but that's it. Yeah. But you actually change your long-term memory based upon your current framework right and that's and, what i've read it every and every time you recall a memory yeah you basically modify it a little bit so yeah. you're making like a new like a new copy of the original memory which will which will be play in very okay, significantly cool. to cool. our main topic and then the the other part about working memory is there's basically three or basically three types of memory there's recall. So um, blank is the capital of Greece. Right. Athens. Right. So you recalled that. I okay. did. Now, um, then, then there is, okay. Uh, then there's a uh, recognition, which is you'll remember it. If you see or hear three or four different options, you'll be able to pick it out. Sure. So which is not a city in Greece, Athens, Pompeii, Sparta, or Marathon. Uh, Pompeii. Pompeii is in Italy. That's yes. right. That's very good. That, yeah. that is not the most obvious. Yeah. Uh, and I'm stealing. Man, these, I'm stealing these from woman, Hank Green. Camera. <laughs> <laughs> and then the third way is relearning, which is the whole process of repetition sure. and uh, going over it several times. Right. And eventually, you'll it just it, you'll it just sinks in there. Yeah. Wow. Cool. And so so uh, so this will play in. <laughs> Excellent. Later. Well, I so those speaking, are the two things I learned. Speaking of memory, I just. It jogged that I learned something too. Excellent. Uh, and it it builds on this theme of not only memory, but how the brain functions. So I found out, and I don't remember the term, but it was a condition apparently, and it's quite common, where people do not have uh, like an inner... Uh, imagination is the wrong word, but you know, like if I say, think of a coffee cup or think of a teapot. Mm -hmm. you can conjure an image of a teapot in your mind. There's a condition where people have no inner like white screen. They cannot conjure an image. They know what a teapot is. Like you're talking about recognition. If you show if you hold up a teapot and you say, what is this? They go, it's a teapot. But if they don't have one in their visual field and you say, imagine a teapot, they cannot they conjure a picture. Oh, wow. And apparently because if somebody in their family dies, they lose the ability to conjure them. They find that these folks are, are less affected by grief because. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now, if they actively think about the person and a situation, you know, I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll miss them. Oh, we used to have coffee with, you know, grandpa every Sunday. Right? right. Although they can't picture themselves doing it, but they'll remember that they enjoyed that. But if you, they just cannot conjure up an image of that person. And so they find that there's a, like the, the level of grief is lessened. I thought that was fascinating. Um, there's no inner, it's not, not an inner dialogue, but no inner projector. Oh, wow. Right? Yeah. That's fine. Crazy. Well, okay, no, cool. not crazy. No. 
<laughs> a, a normal Cra- crazy interesting yeah crazy interesting <laughs> <laughs> okay well let's let's hop right into our main theme main theme so so lie detectors and how we create memories yes say i remember it's fascinating <laughs> exactly so um so uh Early in my engineering career, I started doing fire investigation. I went and took a course on fire investigation. Yep. It was like 1990 or 91. It was really early on. And right. And it was put yeah, on Yeah, that by, is a while back. It was put on by the local fire investigation association. And uh, it was um, presented by a police officer. And he was an RCMP officer who had investigated into the giant mine explosion. Ooh, yes. So it was quite interesting. And um, he was a polygraph uh, polygraph operator. Mm. And uh, so you're, you're like in the eight or the, yeah, the uh, nine? The black or the white? I, I think I like the white better. Huh? Yeah. Interesting. Very good. But I'm going to try my Bumbolino here. They're really good. Yeah. <laughs> Carry on. Uh, the... Um, Anyway, uh, so um, he described a few things. So in general, polygraph detection uh, at that time, and it sounds like it hasn't, it's not, uh, the process and the procedure hasn't really changed. I think the tools are more sophisticated, right? but it's still the same general approach. Um, With the polygraph, they're really just trying to see if people are being deceptive or not. Right. So there's this process uh, called scan and it's still currently used by law enforcement agencies i was looking it up mm. uh, just recently um it's not like it, if you if you look it up it's not super obvious but this is what most law enforcement agencies use it's called scientific content analysis scan scan okay and it was developed by this israeli guy and um he's still a big proponent of it mm. There's some real issues in terms of how valid it is, but it it uh, it does make it did, does ring pretty true. It uh, informs a couple of things about how you make memories as well as how people lie. Hmm. So the thing that's interesting about it was that what they try and do. So you know, it's for police officers, for us, it was for fires. We're trying to figure out what happened with fire. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times those witness information is the, the witness information is super important to right. understand what happened. Now what this RCMP officer had described was that there's two things. So initially when you've just been exposed to whatever this traumatic or exciting or whatever event is. Yep. Your brain hasn't super processed or put together all of the information into any cogent form. Right. And so what becomes really important is the first telling of it. Mm. Because as you're telling it, you're actually organizing your thoughts. And that organization of your thoughts then creates the story that you will remember. Interesting. So it's not that you actually remember so much the incident, although you might remember bits and pieces of it, mm-hmm. but what you really remember will be the story that you made the first time you told it. Wow. So the whole concept with this scan is to have what's called a pure version statement. Mm. So you basically, you um, have whoever's the interviewer, so, so the idea is that you're the first person talking to this person that's been exposed or has a story 
that they're going to convey to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you basically, you uh, let them talk and you do not interrupt them. You give them no prompts. Because as soon as you start prompting them, you screw up with the story. You screw their story. Sure. Um, so so you want them to, to, to do it as... Was there a man with a hat there? You're well, like, exactly. What? What? What hat? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, derail, you derail people. So the idea is that you let them come out and do their whole story okay. as much as possible. Uninterrupted, yeah. Uninterrupted. And so it's really useful for people that are telling the truth, mm. because if they're telling the truth, you'll get the best information out of that. Um Similarly, if they're lying, at least according to scan, you will also get really strong indications of they're lying because in general, pretty much nobody wants to lie. It's a lot of work to lie. And uh, so people will do everything they can to avoid lying. Is that right? Um, so, but there are people who will lie because it's important that they lie for whatever reason. Right. And then there's Um, people who just seem to lie all the time. Sorry, Donald Trump. But, uh, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, the thing with, um, the thing with lies is that the easiest thing to do to, to tell a compelling lie is for it to be incredibly based on fact. So the example ah, sure. was the bomber from the giant mine had a very detailed story of what happened, um, like what he was exposed to, where mm. he was, it was all detailed. It had everything. The other thing is that is that um, a lot of times uh, with these uh, pure version things, they'll also look for timing. There's usually like, two parts getting to the start of the incident, like 20% starting getting to the start of the incident. Right. 30% is basically um, about 30% is the incident itself. And okay. then 30% is what happened after. Right. And uh, so then there's a little bit of variation in there, but if sure. you see extreme variation, like they spend all their time talking about it, often it means that they're concealing something. Now, it may be unrelated to the actual event. So, um, and they'll also do things where they'll switch their pronouns. They'll say, I saw this, I was walking here. I did that. Then we did this and we saw that. And there was a guy and basically you lose the pronouns and then the pronouns come back. So usually when the prone, the, the personal pronoun, so they're Uh basically trying to separate themselves. Sure from the incident what happened sure because um, we or they or we or they yeah. or um uh that change in pronouns usually means there's something that they're being a little deceptive about interesting now the key thing with the being deceptive about is that you may not know what they're being deceptive about and right. it may be unrelated to the incident sure it may be i was walking i called my wife we were you, you know there, there, there's this change in tone because maybe right. it wasn't his wife maybe it was his mistress yeah i was All gonna right? say or i called my not my wife i called my not my wife mm-hmm. yes and and so so or it might be something they're embarrassed about and they don't want to necessarily right. share and so they'll those kinds of things um will affect sure the, the, the <clears throat> statement so yeah you're looking for the pure version you're looking for consistency of pronouns all the way through huh. if you're seeing a change there's something they're being deceptive about 
if they're being something deceptive about, you got to figure out what they're being deceptive about if right. you can. Um, but so, but the other thing with the, uh, there's some noise in the background. Yeah, some but kind I, of, I think uh, it, it, it is cold outside. We said <laughs> that's a furnace. So. It's a furnace, and I left the door ah. open. But it's okay. So, what the, if somebody's making the narrative up as they go? Well, so that's that's the thing. So, the best way, the best liars, ground their lies in truth. So, right. with the giant mine, the guy described his day in detail, and it was incredibly detailed. I was looking at this. I went over that, and it all kind of. The locations were valid and everything. Right. But what he'd actually done is he had described what he'd done the day before. I was going to say. So it wasn't actually the day of, it was the day before. Sure. So it was entirely truthful. It just was the wrong day. Right. So, and that's, so that's, so the, the real good liars, um, as opposed to the bad liars, Donald Trump, uh, actually found, uh, have a foundation in, um, something true. Something true, right. So the closer it is to something true, the more likely it's going to be uh, believable to right. everybody. I'm thinking of Costanza. <laughs> Remember, Jerry, it's not a lie if you believe it yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right? Yeah, well, that, that's exactly Interesting. true. So, so, uh, <laughs> so lie detectors and polygraphs are not, they're not really all that admissible in court. Right. But they really help uh, investigators try and find areas are being deceptive so they can have a clue as to where to chase you down. Interesting. So they're looking for They're looking for gaps, gaps and, and inconsistencies. Right. And this scan, which is a technique that is currently used. So I remember that the, the, this guy, when he was talking about it, he said, you have to be super careful with scan because it will show deception, but it will not necessarily tell you what the deception is about. Sure. So you have to be, um, so, you know, whether people are being deceptive or not, it's not enough. You got to be, you got to dig deeper. Right. So, but it is a technique that's still currently used by law enforcement and it's trained all over the place, even though there is some question about how useful or valid it is. Mm -hmm. There's some disagreement. Yeah. But um, anyway, and the other thing I thought was interesting was it kind of informs you how to lie. Yeah, a little bit. That's right. Because right, uh, you become if you an want, expert. If you want to be, if you want, uh, if you're an expert in how to tell the truth, you also become an expert in and how, how to lie. lie. Yeah, and, that's uh, funny. And that whole grounding, just uh, so if you can tie it to personal experiences, basically you're lying, but you're not lying as much because you're not you're telling the truth about something. It's right. just somebody's been slightly misled as to when you were talking about it. <laughs> That's uh, that's interesting. It reminds me of us. So what you said there about whether it's not the accuracy necessarily of the lie detector, but they're looking for, I guess, tells to see if you might be lying. Exactly. It reminds me of a story I heard. I don't know if this this purported to be true, but I, and I don't remember where I heard it. But apparently, some police officers had had fooled a guy who was obviously not too bright, and they put a colander on his head, <laughs> and they used a photocopying machine, and they told him it was the lie detector. And so they had a, a, a piece of paper that said lie on the, you know, on the plate, and they would ask him a question with this pasta thing on his head, and every time they answered, they'd hit the button, It'd and it would lie. print out lie, and they'd say, that's a lie. And then eventually he was like, all right, all right, here's the truth, and he either implicated someone. Now, I don't know if that's a true story or not, but it's... It's quite funny, uh, and I could see somebody doing that because I think it was about the the legality of lie detectors, you know. And can you, you know, is it legal to mislead somebody 
that way, right? Yeah. But I thought that was really funny and really creative. We're gonna the, the colander is really lie. Well, yeah, you know. <laughs> okay, buddy. We got the pasta, the rigatoni <laughs> over here. Exactly. Well, thanks, Mark. So that's that, great. I thought that was, uh, yeah. So, that, I mean, that's, uh, that, that for me was uh, very foundational yeah. a long time ago. And it kind of stuck with me. It's, you know, it is so amazing when you start to uh, delve in a little bit into psychology and physiology and just how, how you know, our minds work. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of mind blowing in respects, right? Like how, how stuff, cause I think a lot of people, I think do believe that their memory is some kind of computer. Oh yeah. It's just, you know, it's just hundred so, percent accurate. It's so not. And uh, you get three people in the room exposed to the same event and you'll get three different versions depending on how they've told other people, exactly. where their perspective was, what yeah. their, what their world frame references, right. everything. And what, and what they missed. So I, we, I teach perception in, in this uh, organizational behavior class and I'll show them that it's been done many times now, but it's the film where a bunch of people are playing basketball oh, with the gorilla and the gorilla walks by, yeah. you know, and uh, I think enough people have heard about it now that they pick it up, but back in the day, and then I'll tell them about people are always creating those kind of simulations where they'll yeah, have someone walk up, ask a stranger the time, and then they'll have someone go by with like a big mirror and then switch the person out. Yeah. And, and they don't be like pay, a, a tall man. Know. And there's like a short woman and the people are like, Oh, it's two 30. And they, yeah, they're not paying attention. Didn't notice it was a switch out. So that, yeah. you know, that's why when you hear, I absolutely saw blah, blah, blah. So I was like, well, maybe, maybe, maybe not. Maybe not. Well, and, and in, especially with kids, younger kids, um, it's really apparent that they, um, until they're a lot older, they can't even con- contemplate that you, that you're experiencing things differently than they are. Right. I also read about, cause of course we both have kids, not younger, so young anymore, but when my younger son was really young, like he'd be very fantastical in his stories and you know, there's sometimes a tendency to you're lying, right? But I remember reading in, in a book on child psychology that at a certain age, they actually want it to be true. Oh, so yeah. they have a hard time uh, differentiating what, what they, they want, what they want to be the what truth, they, what they actually recall. Right? Yeah. So th- <laughs> yeah. that's exactly that. I was, I was thinking exactly along those same lines because uh, that surprised me that until they're about 10 years old, yeah, they don't think they're lying. That's right. Even though they're telling you something that clearly did not happen. <laughs> yeah. More because they want it to be. They want it the to way. be true. They exactly. want it to be true. Yeah. And they can't differentiate that until they get to that's right a certain age. That's like so, the classic. So certain how did this lamp get broken? A yeah. man came in the window and broke the lamp. There's a gorilla in front and of an he, elevator. And then he with a then basketball. He, then he left. <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? Exactly. exactly. <laughs> but once you know that, then it's like, oh, oh okay. okay. You're feeling very guilty about breaking the lamp, and exactly. But yeah, fascinating. Okay. So what have you been consuming? I went and saw another movie. Another movie? What'd you see? I saw Dune. And? And it was good. It yeah. was only part one. It's part one. one. It was only part one. I didn't know that. I tried to not. <laughs> I tried to not. To uh, be continued. Review any any information about it before I attended. Right. So, um, but and and I have to say, going going to the movie theaters 
I think right now is relatively safe because there's such big spaces. Yep. There are so much room in between you. And I mean, they, I, I can't imagine how these companies can stay afloat with the amount of space and the few people that are attending. But, uh, but I appreciate it. It was really nice. It's and, that $86 popcorn. Yeah. Whoa, this is a bit marked up. And uh, <laughs> it, uh, but and and you're not talking like you're watching right so exactly. it's not like you're sitting there expelling and keeping your mask on you and know most for people, the most part not everybody uh, keeps their mask on no. but, but it's hard to eat popcorn with a mask on yeah, exactly. yeah so it was good that i enjoyed it it right. was good i mean i remember watching the first dune the one in 1984 oh, with and uh, sting uh, and yeah i, I uh, couldn't really follow it this is uh, uh i mean Paul mclaughlin as uh as paul uh Atreides. Uh, Atreides, yeah. Well, the thing I, that that I find really interesting is um, both. So, because I've the other thing I've been watching is Foundation, and it's starting to get really good. <laughs> and uh, the thing about Foundation and Dune that is incredible. So they're both two very old sci-fi. One's like from the fifties. Yep, that's the Foundation, and right. and. Um, and Dune is like Dune in the is 60s, 65. 65. Right. Um, and but both of them had been previously partially um, uh, uh, published in like a magazine. So oh, back in magazine. the day they used to do those. Yeah. Yeah. So like Dune, a, Dune apparently is the one of the first science fiction novel that, that was actually done as a book. Oh wow! Interesting. First, um, or uh, was Frank, one of the earlier Frank Herbert, isn't it? Uh, Frank Herbert is Dune, yeah, and Isaac Asimov is Foundation. That's right. And um, but so so Foundation was also this serialized thing that was assembled into a book, right? Uh, and um, but both of them have these incredibly um, uh, expansive, huge uh, scope uh, concepts. Like you know, this is galaxy wide empires, both right. Of them, um, there's just a contemplation of different political systems and both of them, all, yeah. all <clears throat> both of them have, I mean, they're going in very different directions, but they're very, very similar. And sure. I have to say the both Dune has a whole religious order and, uh, again, really nuanced and, and well developed. Well, and it's amazing stuff. And there's yeah. one in, uh, there's a similar one in the foundation, at least the TV series. Okay. And the, uh, I have to say that both of them from this realization now, the, the cinematography and the, the set design and the, just the envisioning of the whole thing is just incredible. Like, nice. Like it's not, it's not like kind of Star Wars spaceships. Do you right. know what I mean? Like right. clunky, chunky Star Wars, even though Star Wars apparently is significantly based on dune that's why they were on tatooine oh and uh, so there okay. is a whole lot of inheritance uh from dune but from a uh, star wars inherited a lot of that stuff and that's I where did not know that george lucas you know stole ideas which sure is, which is great but um but the the thing that's really interesting about it is it's just this these fantastic spaceships and yep. just concepts of travel and both of them have this anti 
AI technology thing because uh, kind of like the uh, Terminator Rise of the Machines and right. the Matrix. Right. There's this distrust of um, computers getting too smart and replacing sure. us and then ah, taking over. And uh, in both Dune and uh, Foundation, they basically moved on from that because uh, it was too much. They needed was... to... They needed to overcome it. Disastrous. Interesting. Cra crazy prescient, though. Yeah. Yeah, because I have a, a, I read a Foundation spinoff novel that was about that uh, intelligent AI and like uh, androids. And yeah, interesting. Cool. Yeah. So that's me. Right. What about you? Well, I started reading a book called How to Talk to a Science Denier by a guy named Lee McIntyre. Um, I just bought it and I was listening to him. Uh, Alan Alda has a podcast called Clear and Vivid communication because alan alda from mash right yeah yeah hawkeye he, hawkeye well he's become um he had a whole series on i think it was on pbs for decades where he was delving into science and talking to scientists so he's become a bit of a communications guy and uh around language and he uses improv and and just empathy and and like how often we misunderstand each other this has really become his passion and so on they often talk about that on his podcast called clear and vivid and then he had this guy who's a scientist who wanted to understand how can you talk to people who are are prone or been you know sucked into fake news and you know, be it QAnon or so he said he actually went to a, a flat Earth convention, <laughs> uh, six hundred and fifty people at this flat Earth convention in Denver, and that's where he went not to try to convince anybody but just to study like just to observe out right? what's going on very quickly he was identified as a as a around a spy or something you know within their myths and how people were trying to convince him but bottom line i haven't read the book yet just started it but what he was saying is much like we know there's such a there's such a uh, a feeling there's a, like a lot of emotion tied to that disbelief and so they are really quite immune to argument and logic and so if you try to just hit them over the head with a lot of facts certainly he was saying if you're if you berate them forget it like you've lost they're not going to hear anything you have to say right you become part of the problem <coughs> because even if you're kind of gentle with them but you're trying to present logic without really understanding well, and they you just, know, they just, their buy in. And they'll often change, like, as soon as you've disproven yeah, one of their exactly. things, you just move to the next. That's one. right. And so, so I saw. I then saw you it. become part of the conspiracy, right? You're exactly. there to. Uh, and so I guess it's a little depressing in that he's concluded that really the only hope, if you will, is, is you have to invest like a huge amount of time into deprogramming somebody. Like, you got to be kind to them and you got to just leave those lines of communication open and, and just raise enough slow doubt in their mind that they kind of deprogram themselves because like it could take years. And it's like, well, I have, wow. to, I have to say for me, that's depressing. I mean, I grew up in Alberta. Um, <laughs> I like where my, my young adult life was in Alberta as a teenager. And uh, I was kind of indoctrinated into the, the conservative ideology at right. the time. And I was, <laughs> getting into politics a little bit, municipal politics when I was living in Spruce Grove. 
Okay. And um, I was, I mean, I went to the convention center when Joe Clark won and became prime oh, minister. I did not know this about you. In Yellowhead, yeah. And, uh, and then I moved to Toronto and I met this guy. And uh, it was really interesting. He was, was, was an interesting guy with some very interesting uh, political thoughts that were really quite different from mine. We'd get into arguments. But his, his way of asking me questions kept saying, why? Just, yes. just kept asking yeah, me, yeah, yeah. why do you say that? Like, right. what, why do you think that people are really like that? And why do you do this? And, why? and just kept asking me why and just kind of drilling down until there was kind of one point in time when all of a sudden I realized, I don't know why. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> ah, and uncomfortable and, realization. Well, and then I realized that all of the things that I actually valued, things that were important to me, a lot of the things I was espousing from a political perspective, and you know, to be fair, the way it is in Alberta has been kind of you grow up this way. It's just the way it is, right? It's not. It's not a lot. I don't of, think that's particularly unique of, to Alberta. I mean, our 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 flavor. But I think that's if you went down to Alabama or yeah. right. It's 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 the same. It's a, or <laughs> Afghanistan, or, yeah. right? But yeah, no, it's interesting. It's like a, it's like a, you just do it that way because that's the way it's always been done. Right. And uh, yeah. now and one of the, one of the interesting things, and maybe we'll end it on this. He found that there's a commonality of science deniers yeah. in that there's, it's like they're disenchanted with the fact that science doesn't have definitive answers. So they're, they're, they're uncomfortable with, with open-ended stuff i guess that's why they gravitate to because a lot of them have and religions sort of the same way right it's like you don't have to question it like here it is 100 percent done and when they talk to a science person of course the whole nature of science is admitting that we're you know we don't really know or it's a theory they, they don't like that that's yeah. part of what they find off-putting they're, they're looking for 100 percent proof and as soon as there's like well, it's science. So, you know, we're using statistics and, and, and inference. That's kind of what turns them off. They're like, no, no. I mean, if it was accurate, you'd be able to be a hundred percent, you know, convinced or sure. I thought that was fascinating. Well, Cause I, you're almost working against yourself as a scientist by being honest. Yeah. They're like, oh, see, you don't know. See, yeah, I know. I don't know because that's what science is point. about. Well, that's uh, that's an interesting thing because I think I think there really are kind of two schools. Uh, one that thinks that science is just like just the facts, ma'am, like just super fact based, and this is this is the way it is. Certainty, certainty. exactly. And um, and then the reality of it, which is basically you don't know when you start. And then you've right. got to explore and try and figure it out and come up with the best theory. And it might be right today, but it might be wrong tomorrow. May, uh, and when uh, when I was doing fire investigation, uh, fire investigation was predicated on the whole concept of um, using the scientific method. Sure. And apparently the scientific method is not strictly the same for all people oh there is some there is different approaches to what is the scientific method so there's debate about even what is the scientific method so anyway well i mean from an engineering background you know the fact that we know that newtonian mechanics is an approximation when you start looking at um you know einstein stuff and yet to design a bridge or a building 
it's it's good enough yeah, you know right. you don't say oh you know what's the uh the probability cloud of this beam so, no it we can model it with newtonian and it works right so i, I can see where that maybe is appears deceptive to some per, some people like well you know you don't really know yeah yeah but we know enough that it we can make this cup or this iphone or you know so so trust <laughs> anyway that's really good so what are we going to do next week oh my god oh my god it's the damn treadmill i know let's you know what let's talk about modern music oh i like that i see a lot of stuff on you know how music has changed everybody's auto-tuned and and a lot of people would say not for the better so let's talk about that yeah yeah that sounds like a great i think it's gonna be fun excellent okay we'll see you next week seven days take care yep you too goodbye bye